Well, um, I have the pleasure, we're gonna do, I told you we'd do something different today, so we're gonna do a little tag team thing. Uh, pastor Teresa, who is our women's pastor and chief of staff, is gonna start it off, and then I'm gonna pick it up after her. So let's welcome Pastor T. Thank you, thank you. So today we're gonna talk about obedience. Nobody likes the word obey, right? Because it's like a four-letter word. It's like, does it make you kind of shiver or cringe? Like, what? You're gonna tell me what I have to do? Almost like a dog who's sent to obedience school, right? See, most of us associate that word obey with our childhood, where we're told what we have to do all the time, and our response is like, ugh, I don't want to. I wanna do what I wanna do. And I can't tell you how many times my kids, and I've heard a lot of teens say this, I cannot wait till I am 18 so I can do what I want to do, right? Anybody else ever said that in their life? When they, yeah, okay, most of us. Well, I always told my kids, guess what? Age is just a number. Because obedience is actually for a lifetime. I mean, when you graduate, you're, you don't just get to go off and do whatever you wanna do. You have to do what the profs tell you to do. You have to do what your boss tells you to do. You have to obey the traffic laws, right? Obedience is part of our life for a lifetime. So the reason for that is because obeying things, obeying regulations, rules helps keep us safe, right? It helps guide us. So there's some good things about obedience. However, in the land of the free, America, our Supreme Court has said this. They said, the heart of liberty is to define one's own concept of existence and the meaning of the universe. So basically, our culture, our government is saying that freedom means that you can make your own rules, right? Well, Jesus would say that's not freedom at all. Jesus would say that is less than freedom. It's more captivity. I mean, imagine a fish wants to jump out of the water into dry land, onto dry land, and he's flopping around and he's enjoying the sunshine and he's thinking, I am so free from the constraints of the ocean. But how long is he going to be free? Not very long, right? He's gonna be dead soon. See, he is designed to be in water and he will only thrive in water. And we are created the same. We are created for God and we will only thrive in a right relationship with God. But too many adults even have this mentality of, I am an adult, I can do what I want to do. But obedience to God's ways is important at every stage of our life and especially at every stage of a believer's life. However, unlike me who would probably tell my children, I brought you into this world and I can take you out if you don't obey, God has a little more grace than that and he gives us a choice. He gives us free will, the opportunity to say, yes, I will obey you or no, I'm not going to. A theologian, Peter T. Forsyth, once said this. He said, the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. Because we are all mastered by something. We are either mastered by our thoughts, our careers, our desires, whether they're good or bad. And the question is, how is that working for you? Whatever masters you in your life right now, whatever controls your thoughts, your time, your behaviors, how is that working for you? Is there true joy and fulfillment in where you are and where you're finding yourself right now? 
See, I think we need to change the way we think about obedience. It's not this dreadful surrendering of everything that's good and fun, which is why a lot of people say, I don't want to be a Christian because I have to give up everything that's fun. And here's the big idea that we're going to talk about today. Obedience to God and his ways brings us great joy. We're not letting go of things that we think are joyful. We are letting go of things that we think are joyful for something that will bring us greater joy. See, it says in Corinthians that we need to be renewed by the transforming of our mind. And it also says that we should take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So as we think and believe it about obedience, we need to make sure it measures up with what Jesus says about obedience. And in light of obedience, we should not conform to the world's belief that obedience is like being a slave or losing your identity. Instead, we need to transform to God what God says and understand that obedience will actually bring us great, great joy. John 15, nine through 11 says this, Jesus was talking about joy and how it relates to obedience. And he said, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, this is the clincher. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, we remain in his love when we keep his commandments and that is when we experience complete and full joy. We remain in his love. Well, how do we do this? How do we experience this complete and full joy? Well, number one on your outline, obedience means the joy of knowing Jesus. Have you ever known somebody who became somebody that everybody knows? They became famous all of a sudden. The first thing you do is you name drop, right? You're like, oh, I knew them. I know them. You know, we hung out as a kid. You know, five years ago, most people know our beloved Cammie Bradley. I went to America's Got Talent, right? Yeah, well, I know Cammie. Yeah, I used to babysit Cammie. Yeah, I used to sing with Cammie, not as well as Cammie, but I used to sing with Cammie. I would name drop her. And when the episode of America's Got Talent finally aired, and it was really revealing that she made it to the live shows, people asked, like, did you hear? And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I already knew that. Yeah, I know. And I actually flew to New York to watch her perform live. I adjusted my schedule, my life, and everything in it so that I could be there. Why? Because I know her. Because I wanted to be a part of what she was doing. And it was so fun because after one of her performances, people were lining up and they were waiting for her autograph. And I was just standing in the background watching and somebody came up, are you waiting in line? I'm like, no, <laughs> I know her. <laughs> And it gave me great joy to be able to tell people that I know her because I believe in her because she is a beautiful singer and a beautiful person inside and out. I was full of joy to know her. Well, 1 Corinthians 2, or 1 John says 2, 3, and we can be sure that we know him, 
Jesus if we obey his commandments. There is joy in obeying God because it says, I know God. I'm with him and he's with me. I know the almighty creator of the universe. That is such a joyful place when you know him well enough to know what he wants for you, to obey those things. And then people look and go, wow, there's something different about you. You're not, you're not living like the world lives. You're living like somebody else, like God would say, and you're full of joy. There is nothing more joyful than saying, I know God and he knows me. See, our, our obedience is part of our assurance that we truly know God. We adjust our life so that we can show the world that we know God. And believe it or not, it brings us great joy. First John 2 continues by saying, if someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and not living in truth. Now that may sound harsh, but to know God, to know God is to love God. And the Bible says in John 14, verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. It's not about just knowing God. It's about loving him. And the way we express that is by obeying his commandments. And then it continues. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Number two on your outline, obedience means the joy of loving and being loved by Jesus. Have you ever come home after a long day's work, you're completely exhausted and you walk in the door and you realize the kids did not obey and do the chores you asked them to do. Or the spouse did not do the things that you asked them to do. How does that make you feel? Do you feel honored when that happens? Do you feel supported and encouraged? Do you feel loved when that happens? No, we don't. Jesus says in Matthew 22 that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. If we don't start with obeying this commandment first, then we will never be able to surrender to all the other commands that he gives us. It starts with obeying that first commandment of surrendering with our whole heart, soul, and mind. If we do not passionately love him with our heart and our soul and our mind, then obedience does feel more like bondage. Then it's more like slavery. But God isn't just after obedience to our rule, the rules and regulations. God wants us to obey with joy out of our love for him, out of our respect and our honor for him not like a drudgery that we have to do, not like a slave. And it's that transformation of, a, of belief that will only occur when we start with God's attitude toward us. We obey because we know of his love for us rather than starting with thinking about it like it's a duty that we have to do. His attitude toward us is that he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to suffer and die so that we could be restored back into relationship with him. Instead of real, real relationship, too many Christians have this apathetic 
attitude about Jesus, an apathetic attitude about obeying him and being like him. We aren't outwardly rejecting Jesus, but we're not completely and totally embracing him either with our whole heart. Let me tell you, an apathetic athlete who doesn't do the things they need to do is never going to experience the victory and the joy of victory and winning in his, in his field. And an apathetic Christ follower is not going to experience the fullest joy of Christ's victory in our life until we surrender fully and obey everything. But what we do is we start to love our own self more. Instead of loving God with our whole heart, we love him with a part of us, and then we love more of our own self and our own desires and our own pleasures more than Jesus. And we take matters into our own hands because we believe that we know better than the God who created us. We believe that we can govern our lives better. We can make our own rules. Again, I ask, how is that really working for you? Look again at John 14, 21. It says that when we obey his commandments, it shows we love him. If we don't, then what does that say? If we are not obeying his commandments, then what does that say? What are we obeying? And what are we choosing to show more love to? This verse finishes by saying, when we show him we love him by obeying his commandments, then, then, which means that have to ha- has to happen first, then he will reveal himself to us. Maybe we're not hearing or seeing because there's a lack of obedience in our life. Number three on your outline. This tells me that obedience means the joy of gaining what we cannot lose. When Jesus reveals himself, you are gaining what you cannot lose. During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln met with a group of ministers from a prayer breakfast. And at one point, one of the ministers said this. He said, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. But Lincoln responded by saying, no, gentlemen, let us pray that we are on God's side. So often we treat our relationship with God like it's a tool to get what we want. In a sense, to have him obey our requests when it's actually a call to us to open ourselves up to what God wants so that we can receive what's best for us, what we were created for. We feel like if we obey God completely, then we're gonna miss out. We're gonna have to give stuff up that we love. It's gonna cost us more than it will reward us. It will cost us more than it will bless us. Luke 18 tells us about a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and asked him, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him that even though you've kept all the commandments, there's still one more thing you need to do. You need to go sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor. And then you will have treasures in heaven. Well, that rich young ruler walked away extremely sad because at that moment he loved his riches and his treasures more than he could say, I love Jesus. And he was not willing to give up what was temporary for something that he could never lose, which was eternal life. See, to obey usually means there is something we have to lose. There is something we may have to give up. There is something we may have to turn away from. Corrie ten ten Boom was a uh, Nazi, uh, was held captive in a Nazi concentration camp. 
And she said these words. She said, hold everything in your hands lightly. Otherwise, it hurts when God pries your fingers open. We need to hold everything in our, in our life lightly and loosely so that it can be surrendered to God at a moment's notice. See, Jesus calls us to give up our desires, to give up our ways, our things, our comforts, because he's waiting to give us something far better than we could ever grasp hold of on our own. And that is a relationship with him, more of himself, a revelation of who he is and eternal life with him. That is when we gain a true joy that cannot be manufactured here on earth by the things we attain. Philippians 1.21 says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Being a follower of Jesus means we decide to be with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, getting to know him, getting to know why we should fall in love with him. And when we do that, we start to become like Jesus so that we can do the things that Jesus did. Speaking of what Jesus did, Philippians 2, 7 through 8 says, Jesus emptied himself. He gave up his comforts, his privileges, and his ways, and he humbled himself by coming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And as a result of his obedience, it says that God exalted him. God lifted him up, honored him, and gave him glory. And it was because of the joy that was set before Jesus that he was able to endure the pain and the suffering, that he was able to obey his father and go to the cross. The joy that was set before him is you and me. And Jesus wants us to make him our greatest joy. And in order to do that, in order to go toward him, we have to move some things aside Set some things aside, lay down some things, let go of some things, turn away from some things to be obedient to him. See, when we say yes to him, we are saying yes to a life of joy because we will obey his commands out of love, his love for us and our love in return for him. I think today Jesus wants to invite us into that relationship I'm gonna take a moment really quick here and just pray for an invitation. Maybe you're here today and you've strayed from God and you're just kind of coming back a little bit. Well, then pray this prayer with me. Maybe you're here today and you've never yet surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never said, yes, I need a savior. Yes, I wanna obey the ways that I was created to obey. Then I wanna pray for you right now. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I just lift everyone in this room up to you. Father, if there is one person here or two or three that have walked away from you, they used to know you, they used to have this relationship to you, but they've walked away in disobedience, then we just pray that you would call them back right here and right now. And Father, we just ask your forgiveness for those of us who may have walked away and obeyed our own ways rather than yours. And we know you will cleanse us and you will make us whole and you will restore that joy. And for those here, Jesus, that have never accepted you, then we pray this prayer for them. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. I have obeyed my own ways, and now I see that you are calling me to something higher, something greater, and that is joy that's made complete in relationship with you. And right here, right now, I surrender my life to you. I give you all that I am, my heart, my soul, and my mind, and I pray that you would teach me your commands to teach me to obey so that I can find great, great joy. 
And I just ask this in your name. Amen. We have an awesome opportunity to obey, and Kurt is gonna tag team. We're tag teaming today. I'm gonna pass the baton off. He's gonna talk about a very specific area of water baptism in a way that we can obey and gain great joy. Thanks, T. Guys, I love what she said. To know God is to love God. To love God is to obey him. To know him is to love him. To love him is to obey him. And what you really gotta drill down on and understand is that that's all about relationship. That prayer she just walked some of you through for the first time is entering into a relationship with Jesus. See, the Pharisees, they, the religious guys of Jesus' time, they focused on obedience too. But it was all on do the law, obey the law, get it all right so that somehow you could earn God's love and favor. They had it all backwards. They get completely messed it up. And it always has to come down to this. It starts with relationship. You know God, you love God, and then because of that, you want to obey him. Another thing she mentioned is be, become, do. We be with Jesus, we become like Jesus so that we can do what Jesus has called us to do. We have to turn to Matthew 28, and I'm gonna be very brief. Uh, in fact, in about 10 minutes or less, I'm gonna cover this before we get back into more worship and some water baptisms. But in Matthew 28, Jesus lays out something for us that is a command, something that we are commanded to obey. Again, we do it because we love him and out of relationship. But our highest aim is to do what Jesus wants us to do. We want to be in relationship with him and live the life that he's called us to live. And so I'm gonna cover four questions pretty quickly, four things that I, I want you to walk through with me today about why water baptism matters. And here's the first question. What's the big deal about water baptism? What's the big deal? Well, the number one reason you should get baptized is because Jesus commands you to do so, because Jesus said, do it. Look at Matthew 28. Let's pick it up, uh, Matthew 20, verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I always find that fascinating. These guys who ate with Jesus, saw him, spent time with him. They obeyed him. They went to Galilee. They went to this place Jesus told them to go. They worshiped him. And yet it still says there was still some doubt, some struggle here. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is a powerful statement. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the son of God. I'm the one. I get to call the shots. I am greater than Moses, greater than the law, greater than anything you've ever heard before. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, because of that, because of who I am, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And that's a radical concept for them as well. They thought, in fact, all the way through Acts chapter 12, they thought that it was just for the Jews. And over and over again, Jesus said, no, you guys don't get it. All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, here it is, to obey everything. To obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Why do we do water baptism? Who came up with this crazy idea? Jesus. We do it because he told us to do it. By the way, he modeled for us. He was baptized as well. It's a big deal because it's a part of what Jesus asked us to do. Second question, well, why is baptism so important? All right, I get it. Jesus wants us to do it, but why? What's the big deal? Well, here's the answer. Water baptism is an outward picture of what Jesus has done for you and in you. It is an outward symbol. It's an outward picture. I love pictures. I'm a very visual guy. And I love the picture that water baptism demonstrates of what Jesus has done for us. It's something that he's done in us and for us. Romans 6, 4 says this, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Now, Paul wrote that. He said, we died and were buried with Christ. He doesn't mean we literally had our heart stop. We don't hold people under the water until they stop breathing. That was a joke, but I promise you, we don't do that. 
That doesn't happen. It's, he's saying symbolically, pictorially, it, this is what's symbolized here. For we die with Christ, just as Christ died on the cross and was buried. We die to our old man, to our old ways, and we're buried in this water. But that's not the end of the story. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live our new lives. Paul is saying, just as Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and was raised by the power of God, we symbolize by this act of water baptism that we have died to our old person, that we've been buried, that, the, that, 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 that old thing, that sin is buried in the deepest sea, and that we rise up to new life by the power of God, new life in Christ. It's important because it symbolizes what Jesus has done for us and in us. Third question, told you I'd go quick. Why do we immerse in water? You know, some of you came from different uh, traditional backgrounds or different religious backgrounds, and they didn't do this. And you think, well, why do we, why do we dunk in water? Well, the, the answer is the only accurate expression of true meaning of, of baptism, of death, burial, and resurrection, is to fully submerge someone under the water. Now, I could get into the Greek language and bore you with some things that I won't talk about. But the fact of the matter is the word that's used in the New Testament, the original word, does mean to submerge. It does mean to dunk under. It, and it, again, when we talk about death, burial, and resurrection, it's kind of hard to pictorially represent that with sprinkling. It's to be demonstrated through something more powerful than that. And I want to tell you this. It, we do this because this is the biblical pattern. This is what the, the Scriptures, the New Testament, teach us to do. But having said that, let me make this clear to you. What's more important is that you get it done rather than necessarily how you do it. So I'm, I don't argue anymore with people over sprinkling or pouring or immersion. I just tell them, well, that's what Jesus did, and that's what the New Testament teaches, and that's the model. But I have poured someone, I have taken a little glass of water and poured it over someone in a hospital bed because they were dying. It was literally their deathbed. What's more important is our obedience, what's here in our heart. Are you tracking with me? This is always what's more important. But... What's clearly taught in the scriptures is that we do this as an act of faith to demonstrate what God has done in us and through us, and it is an act that represents the death, burial, and resurrection of the new life in us. One last question, and this is a big deal for lots of people. What about infant baptism? What about infant baptism? Well, the point in water baptism, if you've not got this yet, is to demonstrate what God has done for us. It is a choice that we make, and it's a choice that demonstrates our belief in him and our repentance. Our belief in Jesus and our choice to, to walk away from our old ways, our old life, and to follow in the way of the kingdom, the way of Jesus. And so to believe requires a personal choice. Here's a verse for you. I, just, I could give you many, but Mark 16, 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever believes, that's the choice of our heart and our mind to say, I believe in Jesus. I believe who he is. I believe that he came and he died for me. I believe that he lives for me. And I believe that I need him. It's to believe in him. And it is to be baptized. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And there are other places that indicate the same thing. Peter, and in his first sermon, teaching about, you know, to, to 3,000 plus, more than that probably, Jews, when they were cut to the heart, they said, what do, we must, what do we have to do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized. Same thing. This is a change of heart and demonstrate that through something as simple as water and baptism. It's a choice. So infant baptism, I encourage you, honor what your parents did for you. Never throw them under the bus. They did it because they love God and they love you and they wanted what's best for you. So if you were sprinkled or baptized as an infant, I never, ever, ever, ever tell people, well, that was dumb. Why'd you do that, Mom? That was really stupid. Don't go there. Honor what they did for you. However, 
And listen carefully. Everything about our relationship with Jesus is a choice that we make. A choice we make to follow him. A choice we make to obey him. Everything, every day of your life, you are given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to make a choice. Will I go his way or my way? Will I choose to obey him or not? And will I do it because I am radically in love with him and I know he loves me? Is it birthed out of that love relationship I have with him? I hope so. And for you, as an adult now, as a, as a person, that's why we typically ask children to be at least eight years of age because we want to make sure they understand that you're choosing to repent and be baptized. You're making a personal choice to say, I am now a follower of Jesus. So, the question for you is, will you follow him? And will you obey him? And the bigger question, back to what Teresa said, is do you love him with all your heart? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, John 14, if you love me, you will obey me. And again, it starts with love. It starts with that. We don't do it because we have to, because we're trying to earn something, because of fear or terror. We don't live in that relationship with God. We live in a relationship of love. But Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. You will want to obey me. And my question for you today is, will you follow him? Now, there's about 10 folks between the two services that have already signed up to get baptized. Let me tell you what we're going to do today. Just a moment, I invite the worship team up. I'm going to pray. And uh, those that are already signed up are going to step out to the hallway and get lined up and get prayed for before they come and get dunked in water. By the way, the water's warm and it's clean and it's all good. So, you know, we've got people, we've got towels and we, we're ready to take care of you. Some of you, listen, there are three people, three groups of people here right now. Those that have made a decision to follow Jesus maybe some time ago, maybe decades ago, and you have never publicly declared your love and allegiance for Jesus in water baptism. You think, well, I got baptized as a kid. Okay. But you now, as an adult, need to publicly declare your love for Jesus and follow him, obey him in water baptism. Some of you made a decision a year ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, and you've not yet been baptized in water. Stop making excuses and start choosing because of love to obey him. And we have extra clothes and extra towels. You have absolutely zero excuse today not to get baptized in water. You go see Sarah, a moment I'll point her out. She'll send you down to, to the room where we have extra clothes, extra towels. You can get baptized today. Why would you wait? There's another group of you, and there's some of you who recently have been giving your life to Christ. In fact, just this year, we've had over 100 new believers packets that have been picked up. Last week, four. And every week, it's really unusual not to have at least one, two, maybe four or five new believers packets picked up. And we don't ask you to come forward. We don't ask you to stand in front of everybody. We don't do anything to single you out in our service because we know it's a big step just to show up at church. And then it's a big step to make that decision. And we don't want to make it harder for you. However, listen, this is your chance to publicly declare, yep, I am that guy. I'm that gal. I have given my life. I belong to Jesus. And you may have picked up a packet a week ago, months ago, and now is your time to say, yep, I'm going to do this because I know it's a demonstration of my love. It's a demonstration of what God has done in me and for me. And I'm going to get baptized today. There's one more group. Some of you have wandered from the Lord, and you're back today, and you maybe been back for a few weeks or a few months and I, I meant, most of you know, I got baptized three times in my life. And the third time was after I had been a prodigal, after I'd wandered away from the Lord, I came back. Now, did I have to be baptized? No. But did I want to be? Yeah. Why? Because it was my way of saying, I'm back. 
God, I, I truly do love you. And I'm, I just one more time, I'm going to demonstrate my love and allegiance to you that I'm returning, I'm yours again. Some of you have been that prodigal son or daughter. And today is your chance to get baptized and to publicly say, yeah, I want to get baptized. So let me recap. Do it because you love him, but do it. Listen. I know nobody wants to get wet. I know something. oh, it'll make a mess of my hair. Who cares? Well, my mascara will run. Who cares? But I don't like being the center of public attention. We're not going to make you, you know, the center. We're going to be worshiping. There's going to be a party going on. It's okay. But today's your day to choose. Today's your day to say yes to him and to get baptized in water. Again, we've got towels. We've got clothes. We have an opportunity. But you're going to need to make a choice. You're going to need to make a decision. Are you going to join those who have already said yes to Jesus? Are you going to join him today and do this or not? You'll go home in dry clothes because we've got clothes for you. You'll be home plenty of time to watch the Seahawks. But will you choose to say yes to him today? Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you. Let you model for us obedience to the Father. Just as Pastor Teresa said, that you, you, you obeyed even to the point of death, dying on the cross for us. And today I pray, Lord, that because we love you, we will have this renewed passion and desire to obey you, to follow you, to do what you want us to do. But Lord, it starts with our hearts that say, yes, I love you, Jesus. And so fill this place with an awareness of your love. Fill our hearts with an awareness of your goodness and your love and your mercy in our lives. And that today, Lord, for those that need to do this, right now they're terrified, their hearts run at a thousand miles an hour, they're thinking of a hundred reasons why they shouldn't. They're the ones. Holy Spirit, right now, empower them, help them to say yes. Help them. Because we want to celebrate with them today what Jesus has done for them. I pray it in your name. Amen.